I'm Lori Phoenix Power, and this is the Indigo Phoenix Podcast, where we celebrate empowered channels of self-expression. Our interviews are inspired from the verses within the book Indigo. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Atlanta-based artist Joseph Titus, who will be sharing with us the inspiration behind his incredible artwork and the love behind the way he owns his narrative. Titus chose the following verse for our conversation today. Loved into presence, my story began as a chapter in someone else's story. It took time to unlearn being an annexed participant in everyone else's life. It took fierce love to uncover my individual rights. As a person, it took bold authenticity to accept the opacities, tones, and hues, and my diversity within. I own my narrative. Welcome, everyone. I'm Laura Phoenix Power, and today I have with me a very special, special guest, Joseph Titus. First of all, thank you for having me, Laura. This is a huge honor. I'm super proud of you. Like, just doing it, baby. That's what I'm talking about. It's 2020. <laughs> time to go hard. Time to go. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Like uh, this is this is a huge honor. The energy that becomes me, I guess I should say, is most definitely full of love and compassion for like not only myself, but for others. And that that process of just trying to reach higher self always and like breaking down like my shadows and things like that, understanding where they come from and understanding that, you know, everybody has it as well. The thing that makes me me I guess the divine love that you know is a part of my heart my mom made sure that we had good hearts as growing up as kids she like didn't shelter us too too much so she kept it real so like in a way it allowed me to like not have a filter it allowed me not Mm -hmm. to like be shaded or like to have a false illusion of the way the world worked the way my mom nurtured us as children and growing up and you know like being being raised like we were you know very very low class like poor like low-income neighborhoods, low-income houses and housing and things like that. So housing assistance, it made me humble. It made me see the hard work that my mom was putting in to take care of six kids by herself. You know, it also made me kind of really in tune to how my actions would be inflicted onto my family. Like what I did, even as a young child, would have an influence on my family. And so that just made me really aware at such a young age of like how to conduct myself, not only when I'm at home, but when I'm out at school, when I'm out in the streets, doing whatever Titus wanted to do. I knew if I was like doing the right thing, nobody was going to go home and run to my mom and tell on me and not like that. So (laughs) be in tune, boy, be in tune. Don't get a whooping when you get home. So uh, it was was being mindful of all that. But yeah, like, you know, even as uh, even growing up in Atlanta, I'm originally from Ohio, but like we moved here in 2001. And so growing up in Atlanta, being exposed to like the multifaceted communities here in Atlanta, Georgia, like all the beautiful magic, old magic that exists here. It exposed me to so much that I wasn't going to receive in Ohio. You know, like it exposed me to like a performing arts school that allowed me to like express something that I didn't even think I could, like ballet and, and vocal training and things like that. It's just the, it's just the everyday process of, of learning about myself, learning about others, you know, putting some love into it. Always putting love into it. Okay, so going back, you, you know, as a young child in your uh-huh. family, you had mindfulness and, you know, the ability to think about what are my actions going to be for the people around me and see it from yeah. their perspective. And that I believe is a key component um, to not only compassion, but also empathy. And Mm -hmm. so going back to that rooted 
nurturing that you got that fostered what is really second nature in you. Anybody that spends any time with you, even if you're there to be a canvas one day, you know, in, uh-huh. the, in the studio of, of Art Titus 13, you know, <laughs> you are, it is obvious that you have great empathy for people. Um, so tell me about what does that look like for you when you are commissioned to do a design or inspired to do a design just for the sake of love, just for the sake of creating? Yeah. Like, how does your empathy and compassion get on the canvas? First of all, listening. Like, I feel like listening is like the most important portion of, of what the finished outcome will be for what we're creating, especially when dealing with any type of commission work. I get clients who are overzealous, like as far as like, I want this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and that, and this, and that, and this, and this. And I'm like, okay, I love all of that. And I'm super here for it. However, let's simplify and like really make a focused image because I can see all of what you want. However, like let's refine it and make it like a really in tune uh, moment for what your what your final product would be in many cases. But then sometimes I have a client who has no idea what they want and they have no idea how to get there. And like, and they're like, their number one excuse is, I'm just not a creative person. <laughs> and that's why I have you here today. And I'm like, okay, well, like, but even for you to have me here today is you being creative. It's you extending your right brain to be more left brain to like express yourself. And so like, you're coming to me for this really specific work of art that like you can't create, but you're reaching out to me to create it. So yeah, I would say first and foremost, it comes down to listening to the person um, and really like hearing what they're saying and what they're not saying is really, truly important. Uh, like I said, like a lot of the times when you get the overzealous client, like they're, they're putting so much into what they want because, you know, it's all about personal experience at the end of the day. And for me, I have to transmute that personal experience into something that they not only can relate to, but also something that is within my style and something that they can appreciate at the end of the day. And uh, it's really, it's really important for me to uh, just pay attention to, to that process and make sure I'm sharing as much as that process with that person as I can, especially when I'm doing body paint and things like that. I call it soul painting. And so soul painting is the process of seeing a model or a client And I spend the first hour and a half to two hours talking to them. And it's like, we have good fruit, we have water, we have juice. I try not to do wine or anything like that because I want them to stay like as comfortable within their sound mind as possible. And so uh, when people are in their sound mind, I feel like they are able to tap into questions that I'm asking a lot more genuinely without being forced to like open up these wounds in a way that would like allow the pain to seep back in, if that makes any sense. Like you have to be extremely consciously aware of whatever their healing process is. Um, so like I'm basically asking them questions like, you know, what's your favorite color? And why is it your favorite color? Like what spirit animal do you connect to? It can be more than one. Um, what is your favorite shape and why? And like, At first, these things seem like really like elementary. However, I go the extra mile and I research, you know, what that spirit animal is and what that spirit animal means, what that shape means. But then there is the like groundbreaking question, which is what is something negative that you've been through that you've made it on the other side of? And like, what would be the guidance that you would offer that younger self to like, really be aware of that healing process. And so I've gotten so many answers and that's usually the root of the composition of the body paint that I create and the reason I create the body paints in the first place. And uh, so they, 
I've gotten so many different responses to this question. Um, and in them divulging that experience to me, I also divulge experiences that I've been through. So they feel more comfortable and understand that I too have gone through things and I'm not perfect. And, you know, like we're still, it's still a learning process. It's still a growing process. And the more we're able to share those channels of healing with one another, I feel the better, the better chances we have of connecting and healing someone else who may be going through the same thing or something similar. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've gotten like from child abuse to rape to anger issues to neglect to like just so many things and so many vessels of pain that then get transformed or transmuted into something so beautiful that is an illustration that is their life story presented on their bodies. And so it allows me to really connect each individual and make something extremely unique for each person that is then washed away. It's like almost as if you're washing that process away and you're cleansing yourself all over again of the experiences that may have been negative or maybe didn't serve you at one point in time. And so, yeah, it's, it's really truly like treating people with the same courtesy and kindness and love that I want to receive at the end of the day as well. Like mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. not thinking too much, not judging anyone about what they're going through, like meeting them exactly where they are and hugging them and saying that you are loved and you are appreciated, you are cared for. And, you're valuable. I feel like a lot of the times people don't feel worthy uh, of the good things in their lives. And I know I go through this sometimes, um, but you don't feel worthy of the things that are good in your life. And I feel like we have no more time to waste on that feeling, on that like doubt of of not receiving what what is what we are. We We have every right to receive all of the things that we are, which is the love, the beauty, the light, like, and everybody like ignite it. This is the way beyond expectations. This is the yeah. way beyond judgment to healing and clarity and community. This is the way to community. Yeah. When we meet people For where sure. they are instead of where we perceive they should be. And in fact, yeah. usually if there's a judgment with somebody's lifestyle or life choice or you know, income level or education level or whatever it is, and the, even just that word level, like... You know, this isn't like a game of, you know, Pac-Man when you're getting to the next level, but that's kind of what our life uh -huh. and our society has made for us as a template. And when we look at people that way, we miss so much of who they are. We miss so much mm -hmm. of an exchange that could be truly nurturing. Um, I don't yeah. ask people what they do for a living uh -huh. when I meet people in new situations. When we take out, hey, what do you do for a living, Right. Uh, we have to actually get to know one another on a less superficial filling out the form level uh -huh. and, and get into really who we are. Because the only thing that what right. I do for a living is going to tell you is a little bit about what I wear to work, what my bank account might look like, maybe something right. about my education and how far I drive to work. It's not going to yeah. tell you about my passion, my ability. Yeah my enjoyment, you know, my dream, anything that really is the essence of who I am. So I, I love that process of seeing people where they are and meeting them and interviewing them and um, soul painting. It's beautiful. It's soul yeah. painting. You're exactly yeah. right. That's what it is. Going back, how, on how many people have you painted? Oh God. Okay. Like that, that question, I, I don't like, it's, it's within the hundreds. Like, yeah. 
uh, for sure within the hundreds. Like I've been doing this for about seven years now and I've gone like a whole month and painted somebody different every day. So like there, there are different like training mechanisms that I like to embark on as far as like going on a bender and painting people like and just getting to learn and like archiving those stories, not only for myself, but for them as well photographing the process and just being able to connect. So I would say that number is like very well over the hundreds. Yeah. Like very, very much so. <laughs> That's exciting. And when was the first time, what inspired you to take to the human canvas that way? Um, so my original training is in like canvas painting and drawing and things like that. Um, but then I started to embark on makeup artistry, uh, which still allowed me to use my hands and my brushes, but in a different way, like, still allowing my canvas to be, well, it changed my canvas from something that was like, you know, an animate object to an actual living, breathing, you know, entity, a person that had a personality and energy, you know? And so my first time body painting, I actually uh, went to a local costume slash makeup store here in Atlanta. Um, and there is a makeup clerk there at this uh, specific store. His name is Scott. He introduced me to Maron body paint and I was like, what is this? He's like, it's just like water activated paint. I think you would really love it. You should try it out. And so right then and there, I bought the white, the black and the blue. Those are the three colors I first purchased. And I went home and I painted myself into the scariest little creature I could possibly think <laughs> with those three colors. And I made a big old mess. And it was just wild. I went out that night and people were like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, who, where are you coming from? You like, you Cirque du Soleil or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just exploring this new, this new, um, this new medium of, of makeup artistry. Um, but my first, my very first individual body paint, like by myself, like, and painting another person was on my friend Andreas. It was in 2014. And I uh, made him into a bird of paradise. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to make a bird of paradise. And I want to create this thing. And so I ordered a whole bunch of feathers off of Etsy. And they finally came in. And I went immediately to work. And I'm like, I want to do this. And I'm like, Andreas, he's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, perfect. He's like, I really love to bird watch. And so that was my first time using that concept of like interviewing somebody and finding the perfect person to become this creature. It was just really beautiful. And I took my time with it. I turned him into the craziest bird man I could ever imagine. <laughs> really awesome. But yeah, I, I remember, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was probably one of the most like powerful achievements that I like that I can remember only because uh, it was like having a vision and bringing it to fruition uh, was like the most powerful magic I could possibly ever experience. Like knowing that I had the ability to bring things out of my imagination into the physical realm was like truly affirming in my abilities and my purpose in life. Yeah. You paint and you um, create characters. You were actually um, the best Grinch I have ever seen. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot of our local, local Atlanta people who were fortunate enough to see you, particularly in 2016, when um, uh -huh. the Grinch was first brought to Punk City Market. Oh God. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was Ooh, crazy. It was so, yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah. like a wild experience. That was a wild roller coaster, but it was so awesome because I got to work with like all of my circus family. Like like having them there would made it like a lot 
more like I was at home every day. Like, like I was going to work, but I was at home. Like, because like these very talented individuals like made that day go past like really easy. You know, like we work 12 hour days, like mm-hmm. at, at, at least. City Market and like, yeah. yeah, at least. And so it was just like a two hour, a two and a half hour makeup going into like a whole like suit. Like I'm talking about like fur, like padding, like prosthetics, hair, like boot, like all of it, like, no joke, full mascot costume, and it is like not it is not easy, but like having having the circus fam there made definitely made it uh much more pleasurable, but then also like having the people come and like really fall in love with the character development of like how we were like developing the character because in my eyes, Grinch was a big old queen, like Grinch he's <laughs> like you know I'm the central of attention, and I, it's just me, it's about me. <laughs> you know and so like you know just being able to tap into that you know that vanity that like that yeah even even like intelligent like it was like a poised intelligence but like very insulting <laughs> like, you know, but still very fun it's very fun you know so i got to kind of really um develop that character into like this really flamboyant christmas hating but then christmas loving uh entity that was me that was Grinch that was Jim Carrey that was me (laughs) like yeah the Christmas hating and the Christmas loving I think that covers about most of us (laughs) we all have a little Christmas hating and Christmas loving in us if we Christmas though those for those who do Christmas yeah um right yeah your your character development on that and I've seen you know the Jim Carrey Grinch and I've seen I grew up watching the the cartoon and Uh your development of that character was like, was like if that original character just stepped off the screen and came into my kitchen and started hanging out with me. Like it was so seamless. I love the, but I, but it's all the things that you know Grinch would totally say. Yeah. When he's like in the comfort of friends and family and, you know, and circus family. And then, you know, and then yeah. everybody became that. So it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, that means so much. That means so much. Like he really like that character really means a lot to me because, like we I did that character for five years and so like becoming attached to the people that would come and see me every year, becoming attached to even the character development of like uh, okay I think I could do this a little differently this year and like kind of like really go in on like the rudeness oh I could just be a little more sweet today and like you know really pay attention to the children and like you know like just be whatever I wanted to be in those moments of like. Play, playfulness just sheer playfulness and like it be accepted by the community is like one of the most heartwarming things about about the season honestly what are some of the other characters that that move you and that you you flow into in various places and what are some of the things that you love most about them um i would say the other character is probably my drag and like my drag persona uh, ariana paris um Ariana Paris is the epitome of like the sexuality that I'm like systematically not allowed to express as being a masculine male. You know, like we get so many labels on our gender and like how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. And so creating Ariana was a way for me to be in tune with that powerful feminine energy, that divine feminine energy, and like know that she is grace, she is poise, she is like a level of she's the epitome of the way my great grandmother was like, you know, like the epitome of my strong mother and my strong grandmother. Like, so like taking that energy and being able to 
express and put in like the love and details that I see my mom do or that I see other powerful women in my life, you know, do like the, the refinement in like a woman putting on their lashes or their lipstick, you know, or like even spraying on their perfume for like their, their feel good moments, you know, like as little boys living in America, we're not allowed to do that. Like we're supposed to be like the little soldier, you know, the little warrior, you know, (laughs) and like, you know, that never really resonated with me. However, I do still, I still carry that flame, you know, in my everyday, in my day-to-day life. But like, I was like, you know, there must be some kind of way I can still embody this feminine energy for myself and not be judged because I'm different than the rest of my brothers or because I'm different than the rest of my male friends. And Ariana Paris is exactly that. Um, She is that energy that I'm not allowed to express as a man. Um, She is like the epitome of sexuality. And I mean that, and I don't mean that in a, like in a, in a, uh, in a uh, grotesque or pornographic way. I mean that in as far as like knowing her sexuality is her power, like sensuality, like the way you can command a room based off of the way you walk into the room, you know, like, Mm I feel like that power is so amazing. Like, yeah, it's always been such a, like I've always taken a lot of like honor and pride in the transformation process, even for Ariana. I, I also remember like uh, there, was a, there was a young lady. She came up to me and she said, I love your drag. I love your drag style. She's like, I just want to tell you how powerful and beautiful you are. She's like, I love that you don't wear the pads. You know, you don't wear breasts. And I'm like, really? She's like, I love your androgyny. I was like, really? She's like, just know that there are a lot of women out here that don't have breasts. She, and, I was, and it just like, it shook me. It like, and it made me stand in what she was saying to me because she was like, you're representing a form of a, a style and a form of woman that doesn't get represented to like that represented right yeah she's like you're representing uh, uh like a powerful like a powerful place for women who look like you who like have this really beautiful and stoic body type but have no breasts right. or you know have small hips and have small booties or whatever like and it made me like really pay attention to how my drag aesthetic was essentially inspiring women to live in their truth but then also inspire like gay boys to, li- to live in their power like of wanting to be more feminine and walk in that you know mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. made me understand you know like me expressing myself has value uh for others and for myself yeah like when she said that to me i was just like oh my goodness i didn't even think that it would like have such profound resonance with with other with other people and it just made me feel that much more uh, grounded in my purpose. It's so incredible yeah. to hear feedback on the art and the love that you put out into the world. And when you do these things, when any of us step out in our power and in our grace and with our gifts, we give everybody around us permission to do the same thing. And, um, you know, I, I go step yeah. on because that. that is you too. And you do that so often and you're so genuine in all that you say and express. We've talked about your art. We've talked about your characters. Um, is there, is there anything that you want to share about yourself or your life that has profoundly forever um, in touched the deepest and truest core of you that has shaped you into who you are? 
Yeah, uh, for sure. And I feel like more recently it was, it would probably be the, the passing and like the tragic murder of my partner, Trey. Uh, we all knew him very closely. Uh, you and your family knew Trey very closely. Um, and our whole community yes. knew Trey like very, very closely. Um, and like, I, I miss him every day and there's nothing that I can do that'll bring him back. There is like, even the prosecution of his murderers like won't bring him back. And it's justice, don't get me wrong. It's, 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 it's the closest thing that we have to like experiencing justice on his behalf. Um, but losing him the way we did has like truly changed my life because it showed me that no matter how we go about living this life, like things happen, you know, and there's nothing that we can do about it. We just have to like be strong and like keep our head up. And it's, it's been very challenging, I'm not going to lie, to like walk in my power, uh, just knowing by how much I miss him and, and, and things like that. But it's really interesting the way, the way my healing process around Trey being murdered has, has begun, like my whole grieving process. It's been up and down, around, all over the place, you know. Um, and uh, in my deepest, most like, in my deepest, darkest, depressing, depressing moments, I can hear him saying, uh, keep going, you know, push forward, like, don't let this be you, like, uh, and like pretty much all of the things that he would say while he was living. And like, those are the things that I hold on to as, as his essence um, throughout like me still living and having uh, a chance to share our story and to share such power that he holds even still to this day, even though he's not here. Um, though it, 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 it'll like, if you allow it, it'll make your heart hard. Um, and, and for me right now, like there is nothing that is filling the space of him other than the thought of him and like the love that I have for him, the love that he has for me. Like that is the only thing taking that space, but his physical being not being here is very hard to deal with. Like, being around, like being, waking up to him, going to sleep next to him every night for three and a half years, it's, it, it becomes your, your routine. Right. It becomes like a part of who you are, like your essence is shared with another person. Um, and it's not like breaking up or something like that. Like he was actually physically removed from this realm. And, um, and, in, a, and in a way that was not just um, a robbery gone wrong or a car accident with a drunk driver, which yeah. is considered murder, but um, it he was, was a hate crime. It was he was targeted yeah. and profiled, and it was a hate crime. And yeah. so that so that would be a very easy thing to fill that void with is the injustice mm-hmm. and the anger around that, and that you yeah. continue to sift that out and transmute it into yeah. a, a love and healing is remarkable. Yeah, like I have to, because if I don't, like I'm going to go insane. Like if I, if I do not be, if I'm not active in my own process of healing, then like everything that, every, everything that me and Trey worked for to obtain in our lives, even for us to even have each other to begin with, like the struggle of us, like, you know, trying to get through our own trauma together was hugely difficult. And you know, from outside looking in, it's like, oh, you guys, you know, you guys are going through a lot. But like for me and Trey, at the end of the day, there was nothing that Trey could do that didn't have me on his side still. 
And there was nothing that I can do that wouldn't have Trey on my side at the end of the day. And we went through all of it. We went through like so much in our, like in our three and a half years. And a lot of it was, a lot of it was facing our own childhood traumas. Like super difficult to, you know, see somebody at the table or, or have a seat at the same table with this person who you're trying to get to figure out and who you're trying to get to understand and knowing that a lot of their pain has nothing to do with you. Mm. Like it has nothing to do with you. It's not coming from you. However, I know that in my actions and the way that I care about this person, I could potentially either add to his pain or relieve his pain. And a lot of the times we're doing both. A lot of the times we're doing both of those things. And building that trust with someone else is very possible. Like, I'm not saying that it's impossible. It's not, it's not impossible to go out into the world and continue those type of relationships and find those type of relationships with someone else. However, like, you, it just gets like, I won't, yeah, I'll be honest. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be very honest. It gets exhausting, like trying to rekindle or like trying to spark up these kind of interests because you don't know if you're getting like something fake or if it's real or not. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and then like, you don't want to like, you're like, I don't have the patience to deal with anybody else's BS at this time in my life because I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out where I like stand with all of this, you know, in my right. healing process. But like, I'm not closed off to it. And I think, I think uh, Trey, like, really staying next to me and, like, me hearing his voice in my, in my saddest moments is him telling me to be strong. Like, I've had, I, I used to have dreams of him. Uh, I haven't had a dream of Trey in a while. I feel like, I feel like, you know, he is on his energetic, uh, he's on his energetic journey right now. And he's, like, touching so many people uh, within this universe as far as, like, their own well-being mentally. Um, you know, uh, and... I've prayed so hard to release the anger and the frustration that is surrounded with the way he was, was the way he was, uh, the way he was killed. And so me knowing that I'm independently strong is something that I hold on to. Uh, but also I don't want to keep Trey's spirit bound to my sadness, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of I sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want Trey's spirit to be checking on me, like, you know, like I have I have work to do in this other realm because I've ascended now. I have I have other work to do in this spiritual place, but like I want to keep checking on you because I want you to be okay. And I know my grieving is in my own time, but like I'm not rushing it or anything like that. But I know that there is still a lot of work for me to do to even reach my ascension and to be reunited with him one day. You know, like there's so much that I have to take into consideration, like all of the people that I still have yet to touch and inspire. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, I cannot get lost in my own grieving. And through this story, through Trey's story, through my story, through our story together, there is so much healing for other people out there in the world going through losing someone the way I did, or, uh, you know, like, like even us getting the HB426 bill passed, like here in Georgia, like the hate crime law, like, these are these are where essential things that needed to happen in order to help so many more, yeah, um, so many more people. And my my pain that exists with with losing Trey is balanced by like knowing that I was loved by him, like authentically, powerfully, like 
so strongly. Like, I feel like he was created for me, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he taught me so much. He taught me so much. Even in the moments of him yelling at me and cussing me out, like, <laughs> telling me about myself, he was holding me accountable. He had enough bravery and courage in his own self-values to hold me accountable for me being the strong person he knew me to be, for me being the strong person I knew myself to be, and vice versa. Like, And like a lot of the times people are so afraid because they don't want to offend you. They don't want to, you know, mess up the relationship that you have with them because you telling them about themselves. But I, I appreciate that so much more than you lying to me. Agreed. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and Trey was that person for me. Trey was that entity that existed in this physical place that was like, no, you're better than this. We can do this. And like, keep your head up because I'm not having it. And I'm like, this is my husband. This is the man, the the creative, energetic being that I'm supposed to be connected with for as long as I live. And we went through it. I'm talking about, um, we went through so much, but it never, it never held, it never kept us away from each other for too long. Yeah. You know, like we always came back center, which was something that I could like say is like the biggest like appreciation yeah, it's the biggest appreciation because he, like we always came back to one another. And I feel like we will still come back to one another. My mom had shared something with me after he passed. And she's like, I never wanted to tell you this because I kind of wanted to see the way it played out. Um, but she's like, you've been drawing Trey since you were eight years old. And I was wow. like, what? She's like, you've been drawing the same blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy since you were eight years old. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, you don't believe me, but I know my child and I know, I know that you guys have shared something special. Uh, my mom also lost her partner in a tragic way. He was, he was in a car crash, but somebody had hit him from behind. And so he had died in a very tragic way as well. So my mom being that like voice of reason and that, that really powerful, uh, comforting voice of experience, she, she really allowed me to like feel everything that I was, that I was feeling. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I miss him. I miss him so much. But yeah. like, all the more reason to do the right thing right now in my present. That way, when I do cross over into that like lovely energetic pool of like, of death and like life, I'm able to see him and he's able to look at me with those bright blue eyes and be proud of me and be happy. You know, that I've met him and I learned the lessons that I was supposed to learn. Like that's, those are my goals. Like those are, those are my aspirations is to, is to share that, that power, that knowledge that he bestowed upon me in life and in death, you know, so. I think you embody that more than you realize. I really do. And I, you know, I read once that um, grief is is love that cannot that is unexpressed love i sort of thought of that when you were saying that the feelings you were having were going here and there and your love was going this way and that way in all these directions and or your grief was going in all these directions and i thought about reading that that it's love it's love like like a pinball in the machine just banging and hitting all the bells and moving around you know um because it's not getting to that channel that was a direct one 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 stop channel before and so um you know, I, I, I knew Trey and um, not as long or as well as you did, but what I know of him and what I remember of him and what I miss is um, what you've said about him calling people out, like just saying it like it is. He met everybody where they were. 
he met every single person yeah. where they were and his, yeah. um, his sense of humor, like, you know, yeah. I mean, and it was that kind of wit that was just like, it was so quick. It was so funny that 15 minutes later, I couldn't even tell somebody what he'd said because it was just so funny that it was, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, and it was one right after the other, after the other, after the other. I mean, you couldn't like, you'd have to have it recorded <laughs> to be able to really yeah. go, yeah. okay, let get Here's this joke, you know, um, uh-huh. you know, and certainly, uh, he's left a mark, uh, an indelible mark on more than, more than, more than just you and I, I know, you know, from mm-hmm. the things people have expressed in the community, and I'm sure yeah. there are probably people who've never met him that read his story because it was really in the news a lot. Um, yeah. Prior to it the was worldwide. Mm-hmm, yeah, and and it, prior it was, to the it capture, it was especially in the news a lot. It was world worldwide. Yes, I did see it in global papers and. Yeah, it was over in Europe. I remember like a reporter from Europe. He was an LGBTQ reporter from Europe who reached out to me. Uh, he was like, well, your partner has reached headlines over here and I would like to just talk to you about who he was and if you could just give me any information. And I I was not able to talk to them. I was, I didn't talk to any reporters after, after everything had happened to him because I wasn't ready. And I like, I like, I needed to go through what I was going through and like all of the imposing questions were very, they weren't trying to get to know Trey, if that makes any sense. They were after um, the story of how he died. They were after, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I could feel that. And it was just like, I'm not trying to like be the poster child to this mechanism in which our society runs. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that. I want to honor him more than a headline. And like, they didn't even use his name in most of the headlines that we saw, especially in Georgia. Gay yeah, I think it was like gay murdered. man killed. Yeah, it was, yeah. That yeah, was and it was, it was just... Yeah, it was just really, really upsetting. Honoring remembrances and honoring mm-hmm. the impact that he had on your life. Um, mm-hmm. The way that he was taken definitely mm-hmm. uh, has an impact on, on, on your life. Um, and the way that he saw you and heard you and everyone around you and the things that he taught mm-hmm. and the way that he embodied compassion and um, mm-hmm. honesty. You know, he also had a very, um, you know, he had that super fast wit, um, but he also did some um, character um, performance yeah. and acting with you as well. Tell, tell us a little bit about that process of you guys coming together for characters. Yeah, like a lot of the work that we did uh, was off script. I remember they would hire me and Trey for like Grinchograms. Um, and so Trey would be a elf and I would be Grinch. Like it was very organic, like and and natural for us to like play off one another. And Trey also went to school for musical theater. Like that's what he went to college for. He was also an actor. So, like him tapping into, he was a lot more technical than I was when it came to certain uh, techniques and things like that. When it came to acting, being able to like feed off of him and him feed off of me, uh, depending on what character we were playing, it was always such a pleasure to see me toss something at him and like you said his quick wit like it would take me a sec like I wasn't as quick as him like it for me it was like vulgar and like oh my goodness did he really just say that for Trey it was like no it's educated and it's you're gonna get it like don't worry you're gonna get it (laughs) and so he was like he was like that more refined humor that that was needed in the room like 
I was not that kind of humor. So I like I learned from him watching him like yeah. involve himself and like interact with the clients and things like that. Oh my God, Trey or uh, Grinch, Mr. Grinch. Um, that's not very funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't care. So I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's not funny. It's, I'm serious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's so incredible. Um, just learning from him, like playing back and forth, you know, being like being granted the opportunity to work with your partner, even though it can get a little like, okay, I need some space. <laughs> it, it, it's always really nice to like, you know, develop those things together. Like I know Trey, he would help my drag character a lot. Like he would like style her hair and like, I was basically like Trey's little Barbie doll. Because he would make me clothes for Ariana, and he would also uh, make, um, like, he would style the hair and, like, make me the most beautiful wigs, like, for Ariana. And I still have one wig that he styled that, like, he added all these tracks to, and he curled it to perfection. Like, oh, my goodness. That boy and hair, he knew how to do some hair. Yeah. I love the way his hair evolved, for sure. He always had such yes. styles and colors and textures. It was always amazing. So you two together and you as an individual, all about fierce love and um, and bold authenticity. And one of the verses that you identified in the book Indigo is about owning your narrative. You know, clearly that was something that you shared as individuals and together yeah. as as a couple. And now owning your narrative moving forward, but you're also carrying his narrative forward too. I, I can see that in the things that we've been talking about. When it comes to like individual rights to be who we are and express what we are here to express, you know, yeah, our I'd doubts, know, our powers, like, our unique gifts. What um, you would share with someone about self-expression and owning their narrative. And um, if you're not someone who has a network of support to, you know, support your artwork if you're someone who um you don't have family support or you only have family support that's contingent upon you following the family family vision of what your life should be right um you know aside from your personal family like what is your what is the wellspring of titus the artist like where do you draw strength from and where do you pull that confidence from to step out with your self-expression and lay it on the canvas, say it in your voice, mm-hmm. express it in your mm-hmm. in your presence. Um, and how can people um, find that within themselves? Uh, exactly that. The, exactly the word that you use, which is presence. Really pay attention to where you are. Like regardless of the people who are around you, like trying to influence you, regardless of it be positive or negative, be present for yourself. Like listen to your emotions and try to understand as best you can with your own abilities, your own process of creating a narrative or, or fine tuning your narrative that, that you're working towards. So like say that you meet a young artist who wants to be a professional painter, but doesn't have the network to make that happen for themselves. And so it's all about realizing presently where you are with your process. Okay, so I know I don't have the network, but that doesn't mean I can't produce this work and put it out to create the network, to find the people who are really enthralled with what I'm doing and what I'm creating and, and, and believe in it. 
the hardest thing is just creating it. And that's the hardest thing that I know a lot of artists face is like getting out of their own self-doubt, getting out of their own heads, getting out of their own way to actually create the work. Once you create the work, it's all going to fall in place because it's something that you've created, that you believe in, that you've brought to fruition that was a part of your imagination, that was a part of your like experience that people have been waiting for, that's uniquely divine from you. Um, we have to we have to remind ourselves that we are our own worst critics. And so like the more you hold yourself back, the more the more you will not allow yourself to reach that that next level. Yeah, just 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 create it. Be it. Like ex- examine yourself as much as you possibly can to unveil that potency that exists within you, within your work, within your process. I know for myself, like there's a lot of there's a lot of times where I am actually dealing with self-doubt and uh, insecurity and things like that. Like, is my work good enough? Is my work this? Is my work that? My work is not any of those things. My work does not have to be compared to anybody else's because at the end of the day, I have come to understand that my voice is unique. My voice is my own. My narrative, what I create is my own. So if I don't create it, who will? You know, if I don't put this out into the universe, who's going to do that? And so there was a quote from a motivational speech that I heard by Denzel Washington. And he said, for each artist that exists, it's, it's like an energetic spirit that comes to you that can only be expressed by you. And the more you deny that expression, the more you, the more you refuse to bring that to fruition, those visions, those images, those manifestations of beautiful art, transforming art will die with you. And when you die, you have those eyes, those creative spirits looking down at you saying that we came to you to be expressed and now we must die with you. And I feel like that was so profound and this is how I live my life. So when I get a vision, when I and to that spiritual sound place that will allow me to express exactly what it is that I'm feeling. I try to write it out. I try to make a plan to achieve that exact thing that I feel within my essence. And it's not for anybody else to judge. It's not for anybody else to ridicule. It's not even up to me to ridicule because it's a spiritual thing. It's the thing that drives my living force to exist. And so the more I put myself in the ability and the opportunity to express that, the better I feel about everything that is to come with, with that, you know? So for, for an individual, for an artist who's struggling with finding their own narrative and like walking in that power is just to examine yourself and just to not necessarily get rid of anything, but really, really find out that potency of, of where that voice is coming from and how it resonates with you and how you want that voice to resonate with others, how you expect that narrative to heal and, and, and make aware, you know, uh, bring that awareness to people, like uh, enlighten them. I feel like that's what art is, especially for me. Um, it, art is taking that spiritual channel and allowing my body to be the vessel of transmuting that spiritual channel into physical. And so however that spiritual channel comes through is up to me to have enough awareness, not only of myself, but of that voice 
to clarify that, you know, and bring and bring beauty into into existence. And sometimes it's not as pre- sometimes it's not a pretty picture. Sometimes it's like really chaotic and like strange and and weird. But that's that's all within that expression. So it's it's not for anybody to judge. It's not for anybody to criticize. And they will. They always will do that. It's the human experience. But like, don't 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 allow it to change who you are. Don't allow it to bring up questions in your process that do not serve you. If that makes any sense, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And um, presence, create it, be it, examine yourself. You know, being a channel, being the conduit. Don't let it. Don't let the art die with you. <laughs> That's really profound. Yeah. Um, but be that conduit and you know, let the art make good use of you. I mean, I, I, that's, that's incredible advice. And you're right. Like so many times we do question things, you know, to be able to draw from that space within of having practiced the art of examining yourself and creating it because it needs to be expressed. Mm -hmm. There has to be a beautiful marriage that happens with when, when creating for someone else, um, like communication is key with when it comes to this. Like I said, some people know exactly what they want to like the last detail to the last stroke that's on the canvas or whatever the medium is that you're doing. Um, And then there are people that don't know any of what they want. They're wanting you to interpret their confusion for them to make sense of their confusion. And like investigation on, on investigating that, that process for them is like really a fun process because you're getting to like explore someone else's point of view and perspective in such a beautiful way. It still allows your integrity to be intact when creating that channel of expression through someone else. So it's not your original vision. No, it's not your vision to begin with, or maybe it is depending on what kind of marriage you create out of this exchange that you're having with a client or someone you're doing a commission for, like it's all an exploration of, of, of boundary, if you will. Um, like, okay, you're giving me this, you want me to paint a purple bunny rabbit with dog ears. Okay. So how big can I make these dog ears? Can they be like a basset hound or a, uh, cocker spaniel ears? Or do you want like the Doberman ears? Like, (laughs) Do I have like, do I have artistic creative freedom to like put any kind of dog ears on this purple bunny rabbit? Or do you like, so it's like, it's all about investigating and kind of figuring out what that is going to be. Um, And enjoying the process, you know, like don't think, don't, don't make it so strict to where you're like removing the fun out of the process. You know, like I feel like, you know, in us being in a brighter state of being, while creating allows us to really pay attention to the authenticity of what the final product will be. And it'll say exactly what it needs to say or invoke that emotion of what it's supposed to invoke when you are able to be clear about whatever it is that you're going to do with your abilities, with your talents, with your gifts. And just investigate yourself like ask myself a question that like serves my purpose of creating my work like okay so if i'm asking is this good enough that's not serving my work you know or 
if I ask, asking, is this good enough does not serve my work. But if I change the narrative of that question, how can I better transmute this energy for someone else to receive it? Like, and not as I, not as I paint it, but like in their own perspective, in their own way, how can I better make this transmutable for somebody to digest? Not necessarily that it's, you know, their job to be able to do that, but like at least create enough, um, enough of a like interest in the work for them to be like, oh, oh, you know, like it's, it's that peak of like curiosity that happens when you see people examine your work, but then also the curiosity in creating the process in the first place for yourself that is like so fun and playful. It's like, oh, so I'm gonna do the Doberman ears, you know, the yeah. sharp pointy triangle ones. You know, I like Dobermans. They're very aggressive, grounded animals, you know, very protective over the family. I feel that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. Just, it's you know, so figure beautiful. it out. That's such a beautiful thing. And also that, you know, you have this collaborative process with people and you're sharing an exchange of information about yourself with them and they're sharing themselves Mm -hmm. with you. And then you have this finished piece that is now, yes, something they commissioned, but it's also um, a, a collaborative project when they got to work with this amazing artist who heard yeah. them and saw yes. them and could yes. and could transfer that brilliance and that essence of who they are in their true self onto the canvas. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. That's like, there's no price for that. There's, I mean, you, you, yeah. you can't, you can't price, you can't price that. Like that piece of it is, um, you know, when you're making memories with people, you know, that's it's an incredible. Truly, it's truly practice. doing like light work. It's, it's, it's healing. Work. It is light it's, work. It's light work. And so like it, it, it really helps me to like understand that it's not about me. Like it's not just about, you know, what I'm doing. Like if in order for me to share my art the way I do, I have to understand that it's not about me. Like I may be the artist, the illustrator, but like I would not have this beautiful work of art had I not or had you not come to me with this interest and expression that already is your life, that is your existence. And so it's a pure channel of inspiration that happens. Like I would have I would not have had this story had you not shared with me your experience. I would not have been able to tap into this illustration style had you not shared your story with me. And so it's a compile, it's, it's compiling all of these experiences with these individuals that are open and, and unafraid of seeing themselves. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's truly beautiful when you, when, you have a, when you have a person that is open enough to like share that part of themselves with you. And then at the end, you get this really wonderful piece of artwork that is a full representation of your story. And even though I'm the illustrator, it has nothing to do with me. Right. If that makes any sense. You're the channel. It's everything to, yeah, it's everything to do with that person. Like you are the vessel of, of, of pure creation. Right. And so like, yeah, I, I'm honored when people are able to share these stories with me and like be unafraid of who and what they've been through, like who they, who they are and what they've been through. It's, it's, it's a beautiful process. 
before we end our call, I would like to say I was fortunate enough to be in that collaborative process with you for my birthday yeah. a few years ago and yeah. and spend time with you. And you um, painted Phoenix on my body. And um, yeah. I still love those photos and, um, and cherish, like I, I post them every so often, you know, yeah. um, and it was such a great experience. The way that process unfolded was really beautiful and special. So thank you for that. Anytime. I would love to like share that moment with you again, if you were, if you're ever interested, like yeah. it would be... Like you're, you've developed into this, like you're, you're, you got your brand growing and like exploring different elements of how it's going to be presented into this universe. And I'm just so proud of you. Like, Thank you. I remember, yeah, I remember when like, you know, you had these ideas, it's like, I want to, I want to capture this. And I was just like, so I was so enthralled that you like trusted me to, to be a part of that process for you. And I remember all the things that you were going through, all of the things that you were healing from. And it was just awesome to really explore that with you and be a part of that, that healing process with you. So thank you so much for even coming to me and being brave to be like, Hey, I want to try this, you know, because that's, that's the start. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, don't let people come in and try and change who you are, like experience raw and, and, and fully and a hundred percent of who and what you're supposed to be doing and everything else just like it comes as, just, as long as you create it if you build it they will come <laughs> <laughs> as long that's, as you create it for sure yes that was one of those times where like what's on the inside of me was literally painted on the outside of my body yeah. and i could feel it and be in it in a very empowered way and actually model that for my daughters you know and yeah. And have it expressed on the outside of my skin, like literally wearing my heart on my sleeve. <laughs> yeah. uh, literally. So I would say to anyone that's listening to this who is contemplating an art experience, uh, you know, soul painting for your body or uh, personal commissioned work, um, definitely find your way to art Titus 13 on Instagram and check out the work that he's doing. Titus, tell us the place where we can find your work. Cause I know you have more than just Instagram. Yes. Uh, I also have arttitus13.com. That's a R T I T U S one three.com. And then I also have a Facebook page dedicated to all of the work that I do. Um, also, like all of my platforms are artitus13.com. That's A-R-T-I-T-U-S-1-3 dot com. Um, but also that is my email at gmail.com, my Instagram at artitus13. So any of those platforms, feel free to reach out to me, message me anytime. I would love to talk to you and get to know what, what you would like to express. That's awesome. It's be an honor. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to share today? Anything at all? Yeah. I love you so much. This has been <laughs> like truly wonderful. Like like you're doing really beautiful, beautiful, powerful work, Laura. And I just really want you to know that I'm so proud of you. I keep saying it, but girl, you are shining. You got that glow up going on and just keep working hard and like just just do you, girl. Do you. I'm proud of you. I see you. I see Thank you. you. I believe in you and I love you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing and taking the opportunity to express something and choosing to tell me how you feel about me. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime. And um, 
I look forward to maybe having you or Ariana on another one of these podcasts. Uh, we have a lot to talk about and, um, perhaps even, um, during one of your commissions, we could really get into some of that work as well. Perhaps interview someone that you're you're working with because the work you do is is immense. Um, thank you so much. So much love for you and appreciation for you and all the ways that you express yourself and share your heart. Titus, thank you so much for being here today.